Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Do you feel like you're struggling with having the confidence to build a private practice? Lots of SLPs wait to start a private practice until they have more confidence. In the interview that you're about to hear with Adrienne Fuller of Speech Builders in Orlando, Florida, she talks a lot about confidence. So if this is something that you're struggling with at any stage of your private practice journey, this is a must-listen episode. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. This week, I want to do something really special. I'm pulling one of my favorite episodes out of the archives. This is my episode with Adrian Fuller, who has a wonderful private practice with a mix of employees and contractors, multiple locations around Orlando, Florida, and she also has school contracts as well. This is one of my most popular episodes, and it's one of my personal favorites because of Adrian's warmth and energy. Since this episode originally aired, Adrian and I have become very good friends And I ended up hiring her to become one of the mentors for my beginner program, the Start Your Private Practice System. So between her wonderful personality, which you'll get to experience here in a second, and her wisdom and experience, I knew that she was the perfect person to help our beginner level private practitioners who are just starting to get their ducks in a row and start treating their own clients either full time or on the side of their SLP jobs. She is invaluable in this mentor role and students love her and well, I love her too. I also wanted to mention, she talks about this in the episode, but Adrian wrote a book called Putting Your Dreams to Work, Keys to Setting Up Your Therapy Practice. And she co-authored it with two other wonderful SLPs in private practice, Pam Jackson Rowe and Natasha Corby Joseph. This is available on amazon.com, so you should check it out. As you listen to this episode, I want you to listen for parallels between Adrian's story and your own. There are aspects of her story that will resonate with you and inspire you. Adrian was a regular SLP, 
just like you, who decided to make her dreams come true. So with no further ado, here's Adrian Fuller. My name is Adrian Fuller. I am in a small little suburb of Orlando called Apopka, Florida. Uh, we are in the Central Florida area, and my practice name is Speech Builders LLC, Speech and Language Therapy. Um, I think that's it. Perfect. Well, <laughs> welcome, and thank you for being on the podcast. You thank are you. someone who I have been aware of for a very long time, and uh, we've kind of supported each other and, and helped each other mm -hmm. um, bring people to private practice. Yes. And I want to know your story. I want to know how you came to be a private practitioner. So can we go way back to maybe um, grad school or when you were in your clinical fellowship or wherever your road to private practice started? Well, I think I've kind of always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think that's just the kind of person I am. I, some people, I hear their stories. I'm like, they're like, I fell into it or someone gave me a private practice. But I just think I felt like, I was never going to be happy unless I kind of went for it. And so I just want to start by saying, if anybody's out there debating, just do it. You would rather do it and then it flop, which it won't, than regret not even trying. But I digress. So I've always wanted to do it. Actually, funny story, got to grad school and one of my professors said I shouldn't have a private practice. Oh, what happened there? See, it was one of those things I was kind of out of field when I came to uh, speech therapy. I was a teacher first. Mm -hmm. And three years in, I went full-time into grad school. And she said, yeah, you know, with your, your writing skills, you're probably going to want to work in a hospital, not a private practice. So I actually sent her a book. Did you? <laughs> That's fantastic. And we're going to talk. About uh, so yeah, people, you know, negatives, guys, don't ever let that stop you. But um, I still knew that that was for me. And so I kind of always had that in the back, in the back of my mind and uh, did everything. Worked in a sniff first because I said I would never go back to kids, but eventually found myself as a contractor in a school and was wait, was wanting a part-time job with that contracting company. They did not have it. I took it as a sign because I already had some kind of, some patients on the side, but not very many. And so uh, did that, quit my job, moved in with my parents to start the business, uh, had to get go back and get a regular job because I, I didn't quite have enough patients. Um, but that's a good thing because I always tell people starting, Make sure you have money saved. Be sure you know your numbers. Uh, and we'll talk about that. Hopefully, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but then kind of built up the caseload. I only went back to work for another half of, of a school year. Mm -hmm. uh, worked, worked, got my built up the caseload. Um, had a very bad experience because I was only going to homes and to schools. And had kind of a bad experience with a pit bull. So that as a, I know, but it, I was like, oh, it's time to get an office, found an office. <laughs> and it was actually two other business owners that were trying to get their businesses started. One was a personal trainer, one was an accountant. And so it was kind of cool to have that experience with them because mm -hmm. uh, we were just all growing our businesses. So it was kind of like, I knew you're new, let's just grind. And it was kind of an office sharing space, but we 
had use of the office most of the time because they weren't there mm -hmm. and just kind of built it up from there. And now I have a location in Apopka, Florida. And we have people come to the office and we go out to schools and we have three other satellite locations where we could do evaluations only. So oh, that's nice. A one of those is I kind of rent space from a school. Mm -hmm. um, the other two, I rent the space myself, but at a, I really work to find a, 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 a rent I could afford. Yeah. So, and when you say we, who are you talking about? I, you and- I am talking about me, but yeah. I am a spiritual person. So I say I could not do this without God, but I also don't think I could have done it without the people on my staff, which aren't that many, but like just my family, it's just been a group effort. I never think I've done it myself. So I just feel like I'm part of a tribe. And I always say we, cause I, I've tried to do it alone and that did not work. <laughs> well, and I think that that's an important thing to, to know and acknowledge, right? Is that, yeah. you know, the whole, you know, it takes a village kind of a thing. Like you have to cultivate or, you know, um, find your people, right? Because sometimes yeah. people don't have support. And I think that, that you, you can do a private practice without support of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a spouse or family members or mm -hmm. God or, or whomever, but it really, really helps to cultivate um, a supportive network to yes. help you through both the good and the bad times. Y yes, I, I totally agree. My dad does marketing for me for a little while. My sister did my Medicaid billing. Um, so, I mean, it's really been, uh, mom used to call people for, for bill, like to collect money. So it's been a family. <laughs> it's a family affair. <laughs> I love it. That makes me so happy. Okay. So what kind of clients do you see in your private practice? So I see, I'm a, we still have a big Medicaid population. And mm -hmm. so I know there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pluses and minuses to becoming an, an insurance provider. But I always say, even with all my frustrations, that Medicaid, that, that, clientele has built my practice so I'm never going to totally like knock it but it does have frustrations that come with it but it has pluses because we've I feel like we've helped helped a lot of people in my city yeah. uh, but I also have contracts with a I, I don't really have that many contracts with private schools anymore but I used to have a couple of charter school contracts I, I have a now I have a contract with a school district mm -hmm. and we provide therapists to them so that's been interesting so my thing was now like i'm learning to schedule administrative time because it is just as important as treating but because now we have uh, so much overhead we've got to have the revenue so it is anybody listening a brick and mortar practice is great but that is overhead and that does not make you a private practitioner. Yeah, yeah. So I was sharing with Jenna at the beginning, we had a nice little conversation. I said, uh, you are a private practitioner when you exchange money for services, not when you have 20 therapists, not when you have a location. It's just when you are providing therapy for payment. And if you look at it like that, then you kind of 
because I don't know, in grad school, we're taught, kind of thought, oh my gosh, I want a brick and mortar. I want all these therapists. And that's great. But there are negatives <laughs> to, to that. And, and so I, I do like those uncomplicated days when it was just me. I don't think I appreciated it enough, right? Ta- like totally. it was just me. I had my 10 kids. I build, you know, it was just like, I did it on my own terms. I didn't have to worry about taxes or workman's comp or FICA or anything or anything so, else. That's so. a really interesting thing to, to bring up. So how did you bridge the gap, Adrian, from when you first started and it was just you? How, how did you make that decision to start growing? Um, well, I I could tell you the, I don't know, I could tell you the politically correct answer is I am that therapist that only likes to see patients for about six months or a year. After that, I'm ready to move on. But some of my patients were becoming long-term patients. Mm -hmm. So I started out just getting my friends who worked in the school, like, do you want to see this patient after school? So I'd give them who I had so I could take on someone new. Got it. But I think the biggest challenge, if I'm honest, is getting it all out of my head yeah. on, into a system that someone can follow. Because I'm pretty like, when you become a private practitioner, am I using, I think, I, did I create that word or is that really a word? No, I think that's really a word. Yeah, yeah. I'm a creator of words sometimes though. Yeah. But when you become a private practitioner and you're solo, everything is on you. So it's like, you know what insurance you take, you know, you kind of just, it's all rolling and it's all on you. And you, but when you have someone else working for you, then you have to communicate your expectations, your, Mm -hmm. so it's been, I have a wonderful, wonderful administrative person. But when we first started, it was kind of rocky because first of all, it was all on my back. So her pay was, literally grinding from my back. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yeah. Ooh, yeah, all I was of a you had more responsibilities. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I'm finding, which is great, but no one told me private practice is always going to be another faith step. Like you step out and you, you start it. And I thought, Oh, I'm done. I, I, I did the hard thing, but then it was like, I stepped out and I hired someone. And then I had to step out and bring her on full time. And the, so it's like, everything is like, and so this summer was the latest, like, let me have her all summer without cutting her hours. And that was so scary because, you know, we super slow down in the summer. I have to eat, <laughs> but she has to eat. So it's been like, it's all like a step. Yeah. It's like, what's that Martin Luther King saying, quote, he's like, you don't have to take see the whole staircase you just have to take the step and that's what private practice you will never see the whole staircase it's just steps and sometimes the steps change sometimes steps kind of come out of the blue right you see a staircase and you think okay there are my steps or just like the martin luther king quote is that you can't see the staircase at all right it's kind of you Maybe just, the staircase, ooh, I'm, I'm just going to keep rolling with this. The staircase is like building itself as you're walking up it. And sometimes you might stumble or you are or back down the staircase, right? You, you described in you the beginning are, like getting another job again, right? 
Yes. And even w I just I just went through this really hard, difficult time with uh, an, empl an a employee and it was I had two people leave at the same time and it was really I just took it so personally. And and at the end of that, because when you feel like you put out and you don't think you're getting it back. I don't know. It was just very interesting. And then we had this horrible experience with this billing company. It was just, we couldn't get our rhythm, but then we weren't bringing in enough revenue. And I was, at the end of that, I was thinking, why am I doing, why am I putting myself through this when it, I could just go back to being solo? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're going to have those times and you need a network of people, which I feel like I have in, in my colleagues, Pam and Natasha to say, mm -hmm. it happens. Sometimes you have to sit it out. I went to Asha Connect, and I think I've got a lot of encouragement from, from that conference. That's a great conference for private practice owners, I think. But it was just thinking, what is my why? Like, don't private practitioners, don't ever forget your why. We started this because we wanted private practice on our own terms. We wanted to make a decent living. But if you keep your why in front of you, that let that be your guide up that staircase. Because you're going to stumble, but let that be your guide. I love that. I think that's really important. And one of the things that you've done is you have actually helped guide people to private practice. Can you tell people a little bit about your book? So I have two colleagues, uh, Pamela Rowe and Natasha Carby-Joseph. We are like Charlie, but we're, I'm going to call us the Charlie's Angels of Therapy. No, I'm joking. But we really want to be your big sisters in speech. That's what we came up with the other day. Because we like to give a really honest view of private practice and what it takes to start it. So we wrote a book. It's called Putting Your Dreams to Work, Keys to Setting Up Your Therapy Practice. And we all have private practices in the Central Florida area. And what's kind of unique about our relationship and kind of the Central Florida area, we have a group of private practice owners that get together every quarter we kind of just shoot ideas off each other it's not really a competitive thing and uh, but the girls and i we pam natasha and i we all met we met years ago and we've just kind of all got kept in touch had dinner every now and then and just decided to write a book and and did it and so what we wanted to do was kind of have a how-to manual for starting a private practice from start to finish just how do you do this just the steps you need to take. And it's available on Amazon. It is available on Amazon. And we are really proud of what we've done. I really think it's a great book. Because when I was starting a practice, I looked for books and I found a couple uh, and I didn't find what I wanted. And we, we, then we started getting a lot of questions about, or even saw even Facebook posts on, what do you do? How do you do it? You were already doing that, uh, but we kind of just wanted to, I don't know, just put our, put our stamp on it too and write a book and yeah, do it. Which I think is fantastic. I mean, there's a large group of SLPs yeah. who want to pursue this, right? Absolutely. And as you know, we kind of chatted about before we came on the call, there are so many different ways to have private practices that it's really important for there to be different voices 
educating people on how to do this, right? You can certainly, you know, ASHA has a ton of information. You mentioned ASHA Connect being a fantastic conference. You know, the, the Putting Your Dreams to Work book that you guys wrote is fantastic. You know, I have a lot of stuff through the independent clinician. There are a lot of resources out there, and I don't want to stop anybody from pursuing any of it. No, there, I, I honestly think there's kind of room for everybody and nobody's practice is going to look the same because you have to make it work for you, your life and your family. So anybody kind of debating it, it's doable and don't let, I don't know, you, like I said before, we, you could have, I personally love the model where you have a full-time jo job and you have patients on the side. I think that's a great way to start. I really think that's a great way to start. Don't you? I, that's where I tell people to start. I mean, there are people who quote unquote leap into private practice. And yeah. I think that if you have a large safety net or an insane risk tolerance, go for it. You know, if maybe yeah. you have a spouse who makes a lot of money, or maybe you have a lot of money saved up, or you don't have kids, or, you know, you have space you can rent, whatever. If, you're, if the circumstances are right for you to do that, yeah. then by all means, give it a try. But for most people, that is really too big of a risk to take. And mm. it's much easier, quicker, safer, less risky to start by treating a couple of clients on the side and make sure you like this. Make sure you like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I do like to tell people, it's not a brag, but I am single. Mm -hmm. I was able to start my practice and buy a house because I started the practice and it's doable. I have insurance through my company. So don't let anything stop you. It's doable. It's hard, but it's doable. <laughs> Too. Like I, I also want to make sure that people don't, I think that another perception we talked about earlier about how people maybe have this perception that like you have to have a brick and mortar. I think another perception is that people just make a ton of money. Like you start a private practice oh, yes. and all of a sudden dollars are flying from the sky and from the trees and whatever. And you know, you, the, the earning potential in private practice is significantly greater than other settings because you're in control of your financial destiny. If you want to give, if you want to raise at a regular job, right. you have to wait around for that and hope it happens. And if it does, it's usually small. Yes. Right? I if, never thought of that. That's a great point, actually. Yeah. There's no control over that. Yeah. Right. But in private practice, if you want to raise, you can raise your rates Mm -hmm. You can take on more clients. Mm -hmm. You can take on independent contractors or employees. You can become an insurance person. You know, there's any number of things that you can do to increase your income that is by choice, right? Yeah. If you want to make more money, you can work more hours. You, yeah. can, you, know, you can do all kinds of things, right? You just don't have that control in a regular setting. So that's one, I think, huge perk to private practice is that you now no longer have a ceiling, right? right. Think of all of our friends who work in schools who have, you know, the different grades and you can only get so much and, you know, plus 30, like whatever, like you have to follow along that, tra that trajectory. Mm -hmm. And for some people that's totally fine. But if you're the kind of person who doesn't want to have limits put on you, you know, put limits right. on yourself. That's fine. But I don't want anybody putting limits on you. 
right agreed agreed and the flexibility is awesome right i mean yeah. i'm on vacation right now and i can because it's my own practice so that's a great place to be but like you said i had a very Heart, strong heart to heart with myself after that crazy employee billing service situation, which I'm not discouraging a billing service. I will probably use one again. I'm saying at that time it wasn't right for us, but if you're not happy in your private practice, then it's, there's only one person who's at fault here. It's mine. And I have the power to change it. And I really worked over the last six months to really be cognizant of whom I'm taking on as a patient, because not every patient that comes through our doors is right for us. And we've really, we've terminated a contract with one insurance company just because the rate was kind of low. And so you just have to do what's best for you. And that feels so empowering that I have the power to do that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what does the future look like for you and for your private practice? Ooh, that is a funny question. So I definitely would like to grow my business. I am a little more hesitant to take on more employees, but we have great therapists in place. So before I would feel busy and then I would say, oh, it's time to hire someone. So now I am saying, let's truly define what full means, like, and then not take any more until we hire someone or have someone leave because as that private practice kind of hustler i kind of i'll just get them and try to fit them in but i'm only one person and i can't even expect my employees to do that because they're people with families and um, so but i do want to grow my business i'd like to open another location i'd like to write another book have a, I'm actually writing a book called Drowning in Your Dream because I feel like I was doing that. And I, any private practitioner out there that's new, it's going to take about five years to kind of get your rhythm going, like to give, recognize your ebbs and flows, your highs and lows. So you, it's, it's, so you give yourself that. And now that, that stumbling up that staircase, it happens. And also Natasha and Pam and I were working on a book for CFYs called uh, Starting Your Engines. So that'll be out hopefully in the fall uh, or by before Christmas, before graduation. That's a great, great goal. So You guys have great titles. <laughs> we do. We do. I'm like, I, whoa, yes. They just come to us. Right? Well, because, you know, like, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Like, <laughs> I, haven't, I mean, I've, I've seen the, the cover for your first book. I haven't seen the, the other two, but the titles are really, um, will grab people. Oh, I like, thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. We hope they will grab people. But even that's been a great, like, eye-opener, that whole process of writing the book. And, but it's been great to have something that you create. I mean, you can write, you, of all people, know that you create it and it's just generating income. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Like, yeah, absolutely. I love it. I mean, Don't you love that? I love that. I mean, I, so this is a story that I don't know if I've shared on a podcast yet, but when I was, um, I guess probably I was a CF, I had a coworker who told me about her multiple streams of income mm -hmm. and she was a single woman. She had, um, she worked with us at the regular hospital. 
she had a she had her own private practice on the side mm-hmm. she was also a fitness instructor wow she owned a uh multi-unit apartment she i think she did one or two other things and she told me something which really stuck with me which is that um it's dangerous especially as a woman to rely on one income source oh that's good that's real good and at the time i was probably about 25 26 i was also (laughs) single and i was like wow yeah you're right i that's you know and it was a total mindset shift right that's a different kind of thing than the typical mm-hmm. employee mentality of you know i have one job i rely on my employer and you know we you know we a lot of us got into speech thinking this is going to be a really stable field i'll always have a job you know that kind of thing and so when she said that i was like wow i had never really thought about that i had never thought of business mm-hmm. kind of stuff at all right Um, Because I loved speech and I loved being an SLP and that's all I was doing at the time. And so that really opened my eyes to, hey, that's really an interesting idea is to have these multiple kinds of jobs. Now, one of the things that I've been able to do is to, you know, sell resources and and ebooks and courses and all this kind of stuff, mostly online, so that all of this kind of stuff can happen just throughout the course of the day. Mm-hmm. Now, I do put a lot of time and effort and energy into I, it. So, they're well crafted. Sorry? They're well, we love your resources. Well, thank they're you. Great. Yeah. Well, I spend, so the whole idea of passive income is like kind of true, but I am also spending a lot of time creating and mm-hmm. doing marketing and doing stuff like that. So, it's not like all passive by any means, but it's a wonderful supplement to everything else I'm doing. And to be totally honest, I love it. It Mm -hmm. really gets my creative juices flowing. I find it to be very rewarding and stimulating. And I've gotten to meet a lot of people by virtue of doing this stuff, including you, Mm -hmm. including this podcast, including, you know, the SLP private practice beginners, Facebook group, none of this kind of stuff would have happened probably had I not had that conversation with that coworker all those years ago. Mm-hmm. So you never know what seeds of information That's true. are really going to, you know, change your life. Yes. Right. And yeah. I could have heard her say that and thought, Oh, well, isn't that nice? Good for you. And mm-hmm. totally, you know, moved on. And maybe I could have also thought like, wow, she sounds really busy. Instead, I'd like, this was kind of before Netflix, I guess, but I'd rather just watch TV all night. You know, I I never watch TV. (laughs) I'm doing all kinds of other stuff. But you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's different paths for everybody. And it doesn't have to be, just because you're listening to this um, podcast doesn't mean you, it has to be private practice. You You could do something totally all together. What if someone who's listening to this is an amazing baker and has always wanted to get into baking and thinks like, maybe I should start my little cupcake business and do kids' birthday parties or something. I don't know. But Chase, but you know, I love the title of your book, The Putting Your Dreams to Work, yes. because we all have dreams. We do. And if you can get financially rewarded for things that you really like doing, mm-hmm. why not do them? Why not do, absolutely. 
And I love when you said it doesn't have to be a private practice because it does, even if you want to write a book, if you want to create an app, if you want to create material, I mean, there's just so many paths for, if you want to be a public speaker, I've, I've put my toe in the water there. And I love that. I just, I never thought I used to be so nervous doing it, but now my goal for getting the message out there and my desire to make sure parents are aware of language and all of that and private practice owners are aware of the things, the mistakes I've made and I don't want you to make that supersedes my fear now, which is awesome. <laughs> I used to literally shake in my boots and now I'm like, let's do this, man. Yeah. So I, 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 I think this has been a really, really just fun interview because, you know, it's fun to talk to someone who is so like-minded. <laughs> yes! And, you know, for people listening, Adrian and I have never actually gotten to, to speak live like this. We've, you know, corresponded via email and we've both written advice on lots of Facebook posts together and whatnot. But I'm just really excited to get to connect with people who are also out there supporting, you know, our people. Yes, yes. And I, I know I, we may have to go, but can I tell them the story of our first interaction? Because yes. audience, I quit my job and I emailed Jenna and I said, I did it. And she said, I don't know if you should have done that. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, she stabbed me in the heart. But she was right. Guys, my thing, my very first piece of advice is save six months of expenses before you jump out there and know your numbers. She's absolutely right because when you're stressed about money and making your private practice work, that's just more stress than you need. So if you've not yet made that jump, save that money, know those numbers, and you'll just be better for it. I mean, I, we got, I got it together and it was, it's fine now, but it's stressful when you do it out of order, right? Yeah. And, you know, yes. But remember, the order is different for everybody. It right? is. So, so do it whatever is. order. I mean, all you got, all you can do is to make whatever decision seems the best at the time. You do. And, That's true. And if it wasn't the right decision, you course correct. True. And, and yes. So, right. okay. Yes. So, as your, but as your I, big sister in speech, I'm saying... Yeah. save that money we'll <laughs> but you're that. right I, I, I agree your path is your path so your path is your path and sometimes you know different opportunities come up or different things happen mm -hmm. and you make a decision and i don't know i don't really believe in wrong decisions i mean you don't want to do something like really wrong like break laws or ethics or anything like that but in general like right. i think you'll learn any you learn. any mistake is a learning opportunity you're right right See? Maybe you're my big sister in speech. I think we can all just be sisters. Why yes. does anyone have to be a big sister? <laughs> We're just sisters in speech. We can just be sisters in speech. That's true. I just feel like, you know, I just want to say thanks for, you know, tell, showing us all we could do it and encouraging us to do it in our own way. I love that about you. I really do. You really... I've never seen you be too judgy or tell people what to, you just friendly advice. And you know, if it's yeah. wrong, course, correct. I like it. That's all you, that's all, that's all you can't do. do. I mean, it's all an opportunity. 
it really, it makes us who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're awesome. And you're awesome. I love this. <laughs> and- I like you. I like you too. So any other, you guys were having this awesome bonding. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, I feel like you've given our listeners great advice tonight. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you feel like you want to say or share before we depart? I say, do it. I say, if it's something in your heart to do that just won't leave you alone, do it. And I, I think I said it earlier, but I would rather try it and then know I can or can't do it than not have tried at all. I'm so glad I tried. I mean, like, like I said, there's been bumps along the way, but I don't know. It's been, it's been like the most exhilarating, but the hardest thing I've ever done, but I'm grateful for it. It's really made me into a better woman. I think I'm, I'm proud of that. So do it, do it. And think of all of the lives that you've Yes. Yes. Right? I do. I yeah. mean, I think I think one of the other big things in private practice is just the the greater impact yes. that we can have, right? And not only on on our clients and their family members, but also on employees, on contractors, mm-hmm. and then just on ourselves. Yes, yes, we have we've touched a lot of lives. Not to like pat myself on the back or you on the back, but I think it's great that we've I've I've done my best to do therapy ethically and do right by all kids my thing is I've always wanted to do things for all kids no matter how much money they had or didn't have and I think we've done that and that feels really good it really does well I think this interview felt really good it did what a way to start my week Absolutely. And so thank you everyone who listened. Thank you so much, Adrian, for your, your time and your energy and your just endless advice for both beginners and established clinicians alike. Um, I hope that we'll keep in touch. And as your new books come out, we will make sure to have links to all of your books um, on the show notes page, because I want people to be able to check them out. Will they all be available on Amazon? They will all be available on Amazon. Fantastic. So you can also look up Adrienne Fuller on Amazon and whatever she's published at the time that you look it up, you will find. And we look forward to hearing more from you. Yes, it was awesome. Thanks so much for having me on, Jenna. Can you see why I love and respect Adrienne so much? She has so much experience, a lot of wisdom. She's made mistakes and she's learned from them. She's been in the trenches and she's built a wonderful business for herself with a team of SLPs who work for her. Remember at the beginning of the episode when she said that a professor told her that she shouldn't be in private practice? What if she had listened to that? She wouldn't have her own private practice. She wouldn't have written a book or been a mentor in my program where she's helped hundreds, maybe thousands of SLPs build their own dreams too. Don't let the naysayers stop you and don't let you stop you either. Adrian has a very important position in my program in that she hosts our monthly Q&A calls with the Start Your Private Practice students, where she helps them get the answers they need, get unstuck, and moving forward. People put this call on their calendar, and they don't miss it. 
they take what she says to heart. She gives a lot of love, and sometimes she gives some tough love, that that's what's needed. But she motivates our students to keep going, breaking through real or perceived barriers. If you've been thinking about starting a private practice and you want help along the way from me, Adrian, and my whole team of mentors, it would be an honor and a privilege to help you. We're going to reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system soon, so make sure that you hop on the waitlist over at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist, and you will get notified as soon as we reopen. Until then, there'll be another interview next week, and I hope that you will tune in, join us, and keep moving forward on your private practice dreams. Till then have been toying with the idea of starting a private practice for some time now. So even being a full-time working mom, it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience. If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.